speaking, it was done. Welcome to sermons from St. Paul's Lutheran Church of Minot, North Dakota. St. Paul's is anchored in the message of Christ crucified for the forgiveness of sins, for the church and for the world. The following sermon is from Reverend Dr. Matthew Richard. According to St. Matthew, the 15th chapter. Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she is crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and she knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. She said, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, O woman, Great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. This is the gospel of the Lord. In the name of Jesus, amen. My friends, it is really difficult to be insulted. It's really difficult to be insulted when you know the insult is true. Just think about that for a moment. It's also difficult to be insulted when the insult is not as offensive as it could be when the insult could be worse. For example, I can remember riding on an airplane where the passenger next to me found out that I was a pastor and oh my goodness, the next hour and a half I got to hear all about how just bad, how bad the Christian church was, how bad Christians were, how terrible of people they were, In response to his criticisms, I responded in a peculiar way. I agreed with him. It was quite fun. I agreed with him. In fact, I told him that he was not harsh enough on Christians. I went on to tell him about how Christians were poor, miserable sinners who justly deserve God's temporal and eternal punishment. Needless to say, He was not prepared for my response. He was not prepared for me to agree with him and to affirm him and then add to his criticisms of Christians, especially when I shared that pastors are indeed the worst. You see, we Christians, we should be able to look at our lives realistically. In other words, as you examine your own life, you should examine your thoughts and your words and your deeds According to the Ten Commandments, you should hold up your life, yes, take your life and hold it up in one hand, and then the Ten Commandments in the other hand, and then you compare the two. You compare your life according to the Ten Commandments while saying something such as this, have I been disobedient? Have I been unfaithful? Have I been lazy? Have I been hot-tempered? Have I been rude? Have I been quarrelsome? Have I hurt someone by my words or deeds? Have I stolen? Have I been negligent? Have I wasted anything or done any harm to my neighbor or myself? 
Then after you have honestly done this, then after you have asked these questions of yourself, you can then say that you are close to reality, close to indeed reality. But what does this have to do with the idea of being insulted? Think of it this way for a moment. If you are ever insulted, chances are the insult is true, or at least partly true. In fact, if you have properly judged yourself according to those Ten Commandments, yes, according to the Ten Commandments, the chance is that the insult is worse, the chance that the insult is worse than the judgment of the Ten Commandments, well, it's not very high. For example, if someone calls you a sinner, well, that is indeed entirely true. However, they could have probably doubled down on the insult. They could have doubled down a little bit more. They should have called you the chief of sinners, for that is closer to reality. You get my point. Again, my friends, the point that is being made is rather clear. When we acknowledge and when we understand reality, when we understand reality about ourselves and the world, when we understand that the world and our sinful nature are every bit as bad as the Bible says, it actually creates a sense of humility in us. Indeed, a sense of humility in you and me. And with this humility, and with this humility, instead of spending all sorts of time trying to justify ourselves, you know, talking ourselves up, well, we don't play these silly games anymore, but we know our place before God. In other words, knowing who we are according to those Ten Commandments, it prevents us from playing those games where we pretend that we're holier than thou. Those games where we play, where we put on these metaphoric masks and we portray ourselves to everyone else around us of how good and how smart and how wonderful we are. Instead, instead we can know reality. We can know and understand our sinful condition. We can understand it accurately and realistically. You see, we know that we are sinners according to the Ten Commandments, and we know that we are in need. We know that we must have forgiveness, that we must have life, that we must have salvation. We know that without grace, yes, we know without grace we are sunk, that we're done. And so when this happens, when humility sets in, when humility sets in, insults do not matter. Indeed, an insult does not matter when you're at the bottom. Insults do not matter when you've already been humbled to the status of a poor, miserable sinner. The insults of mankind, well, they're small potatoes. They're insignificant annoyances compared to the status of us before God Almighty as poor, miserable sinners. Now, why mention this? This is actually the exact same spot, the exact same place that the Canaanite woman was at in our reading from the Gospel of Matthew. In our reading from the Gospel of Matthew, we heard this morning about a Canaanite woman she dropped to her knees begging Jesus for help. As is true for most beggars, this woman, she croaked. The actual word itself, it's to croak like a raven. It was a shriek. It was a cry of mercy that could not be tossed aside. You heard it. You perhaps even felt it in your bones as she shrieked like a raven, crying for mercy. And to boot, well, she was most likely in the dirt with a posture of reverence, with a posture of fear and desperation before Christ. But this is where our reading from the Gospel of Matthew challenges us quite drastically and dramatically. 
We hear in response to this woman's cry for mercy, this woman's cry for desperation, that shrieking cry to Jesus. We hear Jesus say to the woman, get this, he says this, it's not right to take bread out of children's mouths and throw it to dogs. Listen one more time. It's not right to take bread out of children's mouths and throw it to dogs. Did you hear that? Did you hear what what he said? Did Jesus just call her a dog? Yes, he did. He certainly did. He called her a dog. There's much ink spilled by theologians trying to understand what Jesus just said here. Many theologians, they spend a lot of time trying to soften what Jesus says as if it was not as harsh as it sounded. Now, I'm by no means a linguist or a historian of cultural uh, colloquial terms of the first century, but I do know this. Calling another person a dog, especially, yes, especially another woman a dog, it's not flattering. It's not a flattering move. It's not something you say to your spouse or your daughter or another woman. Martin Luther even commented on this, saying this, that with all the encounters that we read in the Bible, in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, out of all the encounters, none of the encounters were as harsh as this one. And that includes his encounters with Pharisees. But nonetheless, let us not get too hung up on the apparent insult. In other words, we have to caution ourselves from getting too worked up about Jesus calling her a dog. We shouldn't get too offended. We shouldn't get triggered, as they say, or too emotional and unhinged. We don't need to start a petition. We don't need to establish a movement to try and cancel Jesus. We need to just stop. We need to ponder and look at the Canaanite woman. Yes, look at the Canaanite woman. What did she respond to Jesus? How did she respond to Jesus? It's amazing. She doesn't disagree. She isn't insulted. She actually affirms Jesus in his calling of her as a dog. She actually gladly takes the term. She takes the term dog for herself. She says essentially this, You're right, Master Jesus, but beggar dogs do get scraps from the master's table. In other words, if I have to be a dog, I'll be a dog because I want scraps. I'm not sure if you realize this or not, but people who oppose Jesus, people who oppose Jesus always seem to be in front of him. Yes, people who oppose Jesus always seem to be in front of him rather than following him. People who oppose Jesus seem to be standing with pride puffed up rather than kneeling in the dirt with humility. People who oppose Jesus seem to always be arguing with Jesus rather than begging. In other words, And this is really the point for us to ponder today. If you find yourself insulted by God's word, if you find yourself insulted by God's Ten Commandments, if you find yourself offended by the term poor, miserable sinner, well, you certainly are not in the company of this Canaanite woman, but you're in the company of a Pharisee. And I remind you, the Pharisees, they killed Jesus. If you are easily insulted in this life, if you are sensitive to the harshness of God's word, his word of law, if his law bothers your conscience, if your law makes you a little bit uncomfortable and want to tone it down, and you're unwilling to be a sinner or to be considered a sinner, well, my friends, it's quite simple. You have to stop taking yourself too seriously. The fact of the matter is this, is that you are not that important. 
You're not that special. You are not that good. If you do not wish to be called a sinner, Jesus then, well, he's no use to you, nor is the church. And the reason being Christ, well, he only comes for sinners. This is why Jesus tells the Canaanite woman that she has great faith. Consider that a moment. He says that she has great faith. You see, great faith knows only two things. Great faith knows that we are great sinners and that we need an even greater Savior. And that is why the Canaanite woman could care less if she was an honored guest at the Lord's table. She could really care less what other people thought of her. It did not matter. It did not matter the insults. It did not matter what people were saying. It did not matter. None of it mattered. It did not matter if she was an honored guest. It did not matter if she was a dog. It even wouldn't matter if she was even an ant under a foot. You see, when a person is spiritually bankrupt, when they are at the end of their rope, they will take about anything, even if it is just a crumb from the master's table. Dear friends, we must learn the meaning of Psalm 84. We must learn the Psalm 84. The psalmist says in Psalm 84, and I paraphrase this, I would rather scrub and mop the floors of God's house than be an honored guest in a palace of sin. One more time. I would rather scrub and mop floors in God's house than be an honored guest in a palace of sin. The point being is this. Beware the trap of taking yourself so seriously. Beware of puffing yourself up too much that you forget or are offended to be looked upon as a sinner. For Christ dwells only with sinners. The gospel is for sinners only. But does this mean that we should go around and pride ourselves in our sins, puffing ourselves up, look what I can do, look at my sin? Of course not. Celebrating sin is not a reality. It is not, it's not reality. It just simply is not. It is not reality, but it's the kind of games that sloppy pigs play. Instead, we confess. We confess that we're sinners because it's true. Because it's true. And then, like that Canaanite woman, we sinners direct that cry, direct that confession, direct that acknowledgement of reality, of who we are, to the only one that hears sinners, the only one who loves sinners, the only one who forgives sinners. That's your Christ, Christ Jesus. And as we have heard before, time and time again, your Christ, he does not despise you, he does not despise me, or even the Canaanite woman in the very end, but he forgives, he aids, and he shows compassion. Baptized saints, you are not easily insulted. Each and every one, you are not easily insulted. Insulted, But instead, you confess your sins boldly. That's who you are as a Christian. You confess sins boldly. And then, yes, then, you believe even more boldly. You believe the Christ. For we know and we have heard time and time again, that there is more grace in Christ than there is sin in you and me. There's more grace in Christ than there is sin in you and me. And so we confess. We confess reality. And we receive the reality of Christ for us. That is great faith. We are indeed great sinners, but there is an even more greater Savior for you, and his name is Jesus Christ. Where he is, you will also be. In the name of Christ, your Savior. Amen.
Thank you for listening to today's podcast sermon. You can access a full manuscript of today's sermon from Pastor Matthew Richard's blog at www.pastormatrichard.org or visit St. Paul's website at www.stpaulsminot.org. The Lord bless and keep you.